Hello and welcome to the Lights Out F1 podcast. Hello, this is the 2021 race review for the Italian Grand Prix. We're back at the Temple of Speed in Monza, where last year Pierre Gasly took the most extraordinary of wins, beating Carlos Sainz in the dying laps after Lewis Hamilton's pitting when the pit lane was closed, and then getting a stop-go penalty, providing the most dramatic finish to a 2020 race. And this year's Grand Prix certainly lived up to expectations after last year's extraordinary race, with Daniel Ricciardo taking P1 in a McLaren 1-2 for the first time since 2010 in Canada, Montreal. Obviously Lando Norris coming home in second for his first P2 in the sport, his best ever result in F1. And Daniel Ricciardo picking up his eighth victory, his first since leaving Red Bull, finally proving in his eyes that that move to Renault and now to McLaren was worth it. Now I'm going to get straight into my three points for the weekend. Obviously, starting with McLaren's pace compared to the Mercedes and the Red Bull. Now, throughout the weekend... McLaren showed outstanding pace, particularly in the Friday qualifying session, obviously with the FIA and Formula One introducing the second trial of the sprint qualifying format, which I must admit went particularly well. Although, yes, Mercedes of Lewis Hamilton wasn't able to get past Lando Norris because of the the toe created by Bottas and his teammate Ricardo and Verstappen ahead, but I think some of the points that have been made about sprint qualifying, particularly at Monza, is that when you get that sort of DRS train forming, it's very, very difficult to break, and we saw that in the race with minimal overtakes, particularly the few that did happen into the second chicane, turns four and five after Curva Grande. Um, so... A fantastic performance from McLaren in the Friday qualifying. Daniel Ricciardo, who went on to obviously win the race, was very disappointed because he was only six thousandths of a second off Lando Norris. And throughout the season, he's been out-qualified and out-raced by his teammate, which has been a real source of discomfort and irritation for Ricardo, and he said that on, on the occasions that he he's been able to get close to Lando and even beat him, he's usually been on the receiving end of some really minimal gaps that haven't gone his way. So he was determined to get his own back in the sprint qualifying, which of course he did with the starting grid of the race being Daniel Ricciardo on the front row. And we've seen throughout the season, maybe not at the front of everyone's minds and knowledge, because he hasn't been performing that well and he hasn't been at the, st- at the front of the grid, but Ricciardo's opening laps in particular have been incredible. He's gained, along with Giovinazzi, I think 12 places throughout the season as an average, 
So he's really put in the hard yards on that opening lap. And arguably, that's what allowed him to be so competitive with Max Verstappen being caught up in his, his dirty air until the pit stop phase. The last thing that I want to add about McLaren for this weekend is that obviously an incredible result with the first one too, as I touched on, since Canada 2010, but also an almighty number of records coming in. Obviously Daniel Ricciardo's first win for three years since Monaco 2018, also his first front row start for a significant amount of time. And I think what's really interesting here is that even though Mercedes and Red Bull have been clear of the rest of the midfield teams, and particularly the top of the midfield being Ferrari and McLaren this season, it's really fantastic for McLaren to be challenging with Mercedes and Red Bull. And we've seen this for Ferrari in previous races, particularly at Monaco and Baku, where obviously we had a street circuit, so the Ferrari is more accustomed and suited to those tracks. But it's it shows that regardless of going into the new regulations, there can be proper races and moments throughout a season where you don't need a Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton crash for other teams to be competitive. Obviously, this weekend, that did happen, and I will come on to what I think should have happened with the stewards' decision following uh, the, the race and the incident. However, Daniel Ricciardo, because he was ahead of Max Verstappen going into the pit stop phase, and Verstappen had that awful crash, which obviously put Lewis Hamilton in his pit window, and therefore they came out side by side, Daniel Ricciardo was already miles down the road of both of them, and McLaren at that stage had a net one-two, because Ricciardo was already getting past people like Carlos Sainz on the fresh rubber, because they had streaked ahead, from the first stint. So, yes, last year you had an incredible result, but there was nowhere near as much competitive nature of a Grand Prix weekend, especially at Monza, which is so heavily reliant on um, straight line speed. We never had a truly competitive battle for a Grand Prix last year apart from Mercedes and the odd weekend where Verstappen was just on the ball every single important moment. So it does give you a taster of what next season will be like. And obviously when we come to it, my predictions for the 2022 season will be some of the most difficult I've ever had to make because you just don't know who is going to make up that time from this year with the cars being able to follow so much easier. Now, my last two points for the weekend are my thoughts on the Max Verstappen-Lewis Hamilton crash and what the stewards' 
in my opinion, should have done following that with the investigation after the race and the struggle of Toto Wolff and Mercedes to pick between George Russell and Valtteri Bottas. Now, obviously, we now know George Russell is joining Mercedes for 2022 and beyond, and Valtteri Bottas has secured a seat for next year, and Martin Brundle was saying it at the Dutch Grand Prix, it is the perfect PR stunt for Mercedes to be able to announce Kimi Raikkonen retiring on his own terms before the Dutch Grand Prix, then Bottas joining Alfa Romeo, not being kicked from Mercedes and George Russell taking his seat, but him choosing, in inverted commas, to go to Alfa Romeo and announcing that first and then George getting the bump up. Now, I think it was the right decision, without a doubt for me, with Russell and Bottas. Throughout the season, Russell has just outperformed his teammate Nicholas Latifi and the ability of that Williams. He now has scored his third points finish of the season. Obviously, him getting his podium slightly by default in in Spa with that amazing lap, which I touched on in my Belgian Grand Prix review. Um, But this weekend, a story that went unnoticed as well as, I think, his first points at Williams, given Ocon's first win and that staggering storyline. He finishes P9 this weekend with another two points, and that puts him on a a tally for the season of 16 points. If you told anyone going into the season George Russell will be a podium sitter at Spa and be on 16 points... Only about half a dozen points off an Aston Martin of Lance Stroll, who, let's be honest, has had a fairly mediocre first two-thirds of the season. But a fantastic performance throughout the season from George, and he's said all of the right things at the right time. Every single interview he's had, and Bottas, they've both said that they're fully behind the team that they're with this season and they're working towards their goals respectively for both of the teams and it's not their decision and they will wait and see what Toto Wolf decides. Now, as well as the announcement of George Russell going to Mercedes, we have Alex Albon returning to the sport. Now, He had a very, very difficult 2020. He got moved into the Red Bull team after only 13 races in the 2019 season for Toro Rosso. And let's be honest, he performed exceedingly well um, in, in the last races of that season. But he went off the boil at the start of the season and he lost confidence throughout the 2020 year. And... It is just fabulous that he's getting a second chance because we've all seen he has that ability and especially for drivers like Albon and Gasly that have experienced the absolute pressure of that second Red Bull seat, you have to be able to give them a second chance and we've seen that with Pierre Gasly 
over the past two years, he has, like George Russell in a sense, outperformed that Alpha Tauri and he's just outshone his teammates frequently with fantastic performances. So a credit to Helmut Marco and the Red Bull team in a sense, and also Mercedes for allowing Albon back into the seat at Williams and obviously Mercedes could have blocked the move because Williams is not as much as AlphaTauri but a similar situation in terms of being a, a, a driver's way of getting that move up to, to Mercedes and Red Bull like a sister team. So really, really happy for uh, Alex Albon to be getting the, the, the bump up uh, back into the sport and we'll have to see how he performs. So my third point for the weekend is that crash between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Now, I've made predictions to myself about the rest of the season, which I will share in a moment's time, and it regards Hamilton Verstappen crashing. But this time, unlike at the British Grand Prix, it was more Verstappen's fault. Now, the Mercedes isn't allowed to cross the white line of the pit exit until he gets beyond it because obviously the people on the coming down the actual pit uh, pit straight are going at much higher speeds than people coming out of the pit lane. So to avoid an accident, that happens. Now, Lewis Hamilton cuts across immediately and doesn't give Verstappen much space on the outside. When he takes the apex, he takes it quite aggressively. So he does move out of Verstappen's way, in a sense. But the key thing for me is... I watched an onboard from Daniel Ricciardo on the opening lap of the sprint qualifying. Now, obviously, he jumped his teammate into P3... But he was all—he was pretty much alongside Verstappen for the fir- the run down to the first corner. Verstappen was a lot more aggressive into turn one, and so he got ahead. But Daniel Ricciardo backed off the throttle immediately because he knew Verstappen was going to shut the door on him and not let him past. And that's where Gasly got his his damage to his front wing, and then he went off into into the gravel at Curva Grande. So it was possible for Verstappen to do exactly what Daniel Ricciardo did and back out the throttle and then use the momentum he already had coming down the pit straight at a much higher speed than, Verstappen, uh, than Hamilton and get him into the braking zone of the chicane at turn four. But he tries to sneak up the inside uh, and send it into the second corner. And I think the curves on on, on the first corner are much too ag- aggressive. And they do bounce you a lot, which did happen to Verstappen. And obviously his tyre then ended up basically mounting the, the rear end of the, the Mercedes. Luckily for the halo and for Lewis Hamilton, uh, he escaped unscathed, 
uh, and the the tire and the car rolled back down uh, the front of his car but it was more of Verstappen's fault he could have blended out of the throttle and used his current momentum to get Hamilton down into the braking zone in turn four as for the penalty for Sochi I don't think that was justified I mean Hamilton although he already got a penalty at the British Grand Prix he still went on to win it and Verstappen's car had a huge amount more damage at Silverstone than it does here and yet he didn't get a grid penalty for the next race so some things don't really seem consistent about that I have no doubt Verstappen will still come back stronger after this race and Red Bull will be pushing to get Verstappen that win regardless of his penalty and definitely get pole but it will be difficult for him to clear ideally for Mercedes both of their cars and maybe Lando Norris if he sneaks in a P4 and then gets the the move up to P3 uh, in Russia but we'll just have to wait and see. Now, I'm going to combine my driver of the day and my team on top for this weekend because it's a fairly predictable one, as it is as it was for the Hungarian Grand Prix with Ocon. Um, it's going to have to go to Daniel Ricciardo. A really excellent drive from him to be able, throughout the weekend actually, to recover from the disappointment from that Friday practice, as I've touched on, him wanting to be on P3, which he thought was definitely doable, only a few hundreds off Max Verstappen, and then getting the jump on his teammate in the sprint qualifying, and getting the jump on Max Verstappen off the line in the race. Now, the jury is out as to whether if the Mercedes and the Rebel had not come together at the second corner, would Daniel Ricciardo still have won the Grand Prix? Now, it's a difficult question to answer, but I think given how hard it was for Lewis Hamilton to get past Lando Norris throughout the weekend, effectively, and Max Verstappen was stuck behind Hamilton uh, if they hadn't have come together then I think definitely Ricardo would have won it, especially with Norris as a first time this season, I'm going to call him this, a wingman to Daniel Ricardo, and he has not been a wingman this season at all, and an incredible result for him personally, extending his advantage over Perez, which I think is going to be really, really costly, his penalty, which undoubtedly was a penalty, um, giving Valtteri Bottas that podium and extending Mercedes' advantage at the top of the Constructors' Championship. Now, it is very interesting that Lando went on the radio at the end of the race, towards the end, and said, I need Daniel to speed up, otherwise I'm going to get caught by the Red Bull Mercedes behind me. Now... It was obviously a hint that he could go much faster in clear air and if they wanted the win 
then they needed him. Now, obviously, it turned out that they didn't. And I think it's credit to Daniel Ricciardo that, and McLaren, to be, to be honest, that they could get the fastest lap of the race on the last lap on 30-year-old hards. That is the pinnacle of tyre management and ability shown by Daniel Ricciardo. And he said previously um, and after, after the race that he was never gone. He just took a sideline to Lando Norris's brilliance at the start of this year. But he is well and truly back now. And I fear for Ferrari because although there are a few races coming up which might suit them more, now that Daniel Ricciardo is almost as competitive as Lando Norris, I really can't see them challenging McLaren if they have another few podiums, which is a definite possibility given Bottas and Perez's inconsistency throughout the season. Also, with a 44, a maximum of 44 points scored this weekend for McLaren, it will be very, very difficult to overcome that 13.5 point lead from McLaren um, over the course of this season, especially with both cars performing so well and both drivers in the form of the season. So, good luck to Ferrari. If anyone can do it, it's them, because Carlos Sainz and Leclerc are not that far behind in the Drivers' Championship, even to Norris and Perez, and that is something that isn't talked about enough, but we'll just have to wait and see whether they've got that competitiveness left in the car, especially with no one doing any more improvements to their 2021 cars with the new regulations in the back of everyone's minds. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you in Sochi, where we will have a special guest for the first time this year. Thanks. Bye-bye.